There's no rules! All right, <laughs> dude. This is gonna be a hot button uh, conversation. Hundred percent, and on uh, multiple fronts. Yeah, hundred percent. And and for those of you joining us, welcome to the No Mulligans podcast here in the studio and at Franklin Bridge. <laughs> I'm Jack this time, <laughs> and this is Scott next uh, to me. And, and Scott, for those people who are just now tuning in to No Mulligans for the first time, why don't you just say very quickly? Where you come from, who you are, and why you're qualified to be teaching these people over a podcast. Well, so uh, for those that are newer or have just started taking lessons or are about to or just tuning in for the first time, um, I'm in my 14th year of teaching and coaching. Spent 10 years um, learning under 2004 National Teacher of the Year who won who knows how many awards and taught who knows how many PGA and LPGA Tour players. Hank Johnson uh, back in Birmingham, Birmingham, Alabama, did that for 10 years, um, written multiple books on core strategy uh, with a little bit of spin on mindset, and um, uh, fixed a whole lot of golf swings. Got a couple of national, got one national title, a couple of All-Americans, uh, college course records, team records, school records, um, and a whole bunch of junior tournament wins. And lots of strokes dropped. It'd be. I wish I had tracked like every stroke drop since the first time I started teaching. That would be kind of a cool stat. That would be cool. But that's why we're here, right? Is to to make improve you the game. Yeah, to make make you better and to improve your game. And I feel like there's a lot of uh, a golf podcasts out there that kind of cover the, you know, what's happening in golf, yeah. pop culture, all that kind of stuff. But I I really think that there's not too many golf podcasts that are really aimed at making you better and making you better through a mindset and not just, you know, you want to be here at your swing versus here at your swing right. and here in your swing. So I, that's why we've been doing this for the last I, two years. You know, uh, the topic we'll get into, not this episode, but the next one that y'all will hear in a week. Um, we're really going to dive into probably one of my biggest frustrations as a teacher and coach. Um, that is a constant area of improvement for me at this point. Um, so, We'll get into that, but um, I don't know. I'm just I'm just here to make you better. It's the I'm trying to help as many people as I possibly can, and the podcast allows me to reach broadly uh, beyond here, uh, whether you know me personally or not. Um, we're here to make you better and have some fun doing it. Hundred percent, and I mean that's why we've been doing it for over two hundred episodes yeah. now. It's like it feels good. And there's feels some awesome good. podcasts that are more about entertainment, and they'll bring in you know tour players to talk about their games and. You know, hopefully we'll have that here one day as well. Uh, we'll have one of my mini tour guys on here in three weeks, three three episodes from now. Yeah. Um. So. Um. So yeah, I mean, I'm excited about that, and we'll talk about him here in a little bit too. Well, we're we're talking today about the stuff that's happened in the early part of the season in golf, uh, specifically with the players and with Scotty Scheffler. Also, oh, this yeah, new uh, this new USGA rollback. That, that's happening right now. Uh, so we're going to be talking about that. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. Sorry, I'm kind of like, my brain just tried to split into two different directions. Like, Yeah, I was trying to... Uh, I got kind of stuck on Scheffler for a second. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, then we're going to be talking about this new rule change, though, that's coming out, and, and Justin Thomas has already already uh, come out and talked on the topic. But before we go into that, our preferred club manufacturer, Shrixon, if you're watching us on YouTube, by the way, go ahead and uh, uh, look up No Mulligans on YouTube and subscribe to the channel. If you're on Apple Podcast listening, we'd love for you to uh, rate this podcast five stars subscribe and to leave a comment it really helps us and then if you're on uh, on spotify just follow the podcast we'd really appreciate it but um yeah thanks so much but if you're on youtube watching you see scott's bag behind us and you just got your new sticks in man i did you got your brand new I sticks did. uh <clears throat> should we go ahead and do a quick run through what's through the bag and we'll we'll leave people hanging with the why yeah for a future podcast yeah okay really quickly Let's so, go through what's in the bag. Um, so top to bottom. Uh, so if we go, if we go driver, um, got the ZX ZX5 Mark II. ZX5 Mark II hazardous black, 6.5 X flex shaft uh, at 45 and a half inches, 9.5 want or 9.5 degrees. So looks pretty. It's a pretty club, man. It's a great club too. So price point's great for the consumer, which is fantastic. Um, and there's a big promo going right now. Uh, if you buy a club before the end of the month on drivers, you can turn your driver in. You'll get um, you'll get your trade-in value for your driver plus a hundred dollars. And if you're a River Club member, you're going to get that ten percent off too, because that's just your stock membership. You get ten percent off Huge. merchandise in the shop. So Huge. come out and do that. <coughs> um, we have a um, Elijah would be happy to get you fit. Get that in before March 31st. Get that deal. Um, what else but, you got? So. Uh, then let's go to ooh, who, what, what do I want to do next? Um, let's go irons. So longest iron in my set right now is a seven iron. Crazy. So um, I did that for a couple of reasons. One, I like hybrids and fairway woods. Um, two, I don't practice a whole lot. I do have plans to want to do that more this year. Um, but I decided to kind of, speaking of rolling back, I'm putting more difficult clubs for me to hit in my bag. So I've got the Z Forge 2. Um, basically Matsuyama's iron, um, with <laughs> steel fibers or not steel fiber. Um, these are the KBS tour light, uh, irons or shafts. So standard length. So I had much longer clubs before. And I think for the time period, time being, that was what I needed to improve my golf swing a little bit, but very difficult to hit, uh, very critical of my errors, which I want. So yeah. from a play from a practice standpoint, the little bit I do practice, and I can handle that through a seven iron. I can manage my game well enough to kind of make do through those clubs. Um, new low plus irons uh, or wedges. So I've got the steel fiber uh, I80. Low plus meaning a lower bounce. Yeah, but with a little extra oomph uh, without getting into details of it. But they're fantastic. I like the low plus. I like low bounce wedges for my golf game. Mm -hmm. So yeah. these are half inch longer than standard. Um, and you really like to spin the ball on the greens. Right. So I've got a 50 – is that right? Yeah, i got a 50 uh, mid and then 56 low plus and 60 low. So my low is 6 degrees of bounce, super low bounce, but I only use it out of the bunker primarily. So um, then this is where – well, I'll go to the putter. So went heavier with the putter but a lot shorter. So some of you are familiar. I've had the arm lock, which yeah. I think is the putter that the tour should take away. Uh, which is a USGA ruling thing, not a PGA Tour thing. Um, so, but this this uh, combo shaft. So Callaway's done this as well in their shafts. 
for their putting gives a little more stability to the face. Uh, I've got the uh, HB Soft Milled 11, little mallet style, uh, heavier but shorter. So 33 and a half inches, back to the same length I had in college. Um, and just a standard kind of mid-size grip. I think people have grips that are too big on their putters by and large. So went shorter. I'm a good putter with whatever putter I have in my hand. So the long one, <laughs> the long one was a um, – that's not a statement of – you know, cockiness. It's just no, no. It's just the truth. You know, it's just something I'm really good at and enjoy doing. So, um, but back to the same length I had in college. So that's gonna be. You're gonna see me hunched over and look like I'm putting with a kid's club <laughs> at six <laughs> foot six. Um, then things get a little funky here in the middle of the set. So um, I go to. Uh, so those are stiff flex in my irons, um, and then I also have stiff in um, my hybrids so i've got a six hybrid five hybrid uh 6.0 hazardous red in both of those yeah you can Keep on show that about. yeah um but nothing too fancy there so uh keeping the stiff flex going to the hybrids that's fine um one thing that. i really like about these uh mark twos is that they have the uh the matte black face or uh, excuse me, like head to them, yeah. And so it looks really nice, especially if Super you're playing clean. a nice white golf ball right yeah. behind the the matte black. And it's not shiny too. It's not like the piano gloss, so that the light doesn't catch it weird. Yep, I love the matte finishes on drivers. So it reminds me of the ping driver. Um, that look very matte finished, not the shiny finish. So uh, then this is where things get interesting, right? So I've got stiff flex in my irons and wedges with a steel fiber in my wedges, graphite in my hybrids. Irons, I have that KBS uh, Tour light. Then, this is where things get crazy. I have a regular flex shaft I in saw my 5-wood and 7-wood. Yeah. Now, if I don't make the right movement, I'll overhook these. Mm -hmm. But I love a left miss. A left miss is easy for me to move into the swing that I need to make. So, And I hit them the distance that I want to, and I hit them well, and I like hitting fairway woods high. Which turns you into a one-way miss player, yep. That's correct. And I played two-way miss in college, so I still had some fear with that with my old clubs, especially when I get into the longer clubs. Yeah. So by going to hybrids, I'm okay having a little bit of a right miss once in a while with a with an iron because that's an easy fix for me and I can play that. Uh, but with these longer clubs at my height, I would love to always know it's only going to go one way. Mm, that makes sense. Uh, not because I'm trying to eliminate the right side. I'm just trying to have a bias miss so that I can move my golf swing. I feel comfortable moving it into the movement that I want to make without the fear of the other miss. And if I don't have the other miss with a different fit, uh -huh. I need to have the feel and sensation that it's not going to go right if I make the movement that I want. And we've always talked about on the podcast when we're talking about misses, having that dial, right? You can turn it all the way to the left or all the way to the right, right. and when we're playing with this one-way miss, it's like we've got it in the middle, and all we can really turn it is one way, right. which is nice. Yeah, and you know the clubs I had before, I could hit those straight as well, and I could have a left miss with those too, but I could also occasionally have a right miss if I'm not fully committed. Yeah. These, if I'm not fully committed, it's going to go left. Yeah. And so that's an easier uh, commit for me. It allows me to stay assertive in my motion, which sounds weird, right? So yeah. I've got an X flex in the driver. Fairway woods go all the way down to regular flex. Now, most of the time, I'm not going to be using those off the tee. It's going to go driver to a hybrid, or I put something fun in my set that's designed to stay... So we talked about you have a regular flex, <laughs> an X flex in your driver. Right. A stiff now, flex in my irons. Stiff flex in your irons and your wedges. And yep. now you told me you've got a 3X stiff yeah. 
shaft in your two iron. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Jack, you can show them this. This yeah. is a steel fiber X-Flex um, uh, two iron that is – we did a couple of things to it. Uh, so uh, one, we kept it steel fiber so it wasn't too crazy stiff. So the steel fiber with those – with the graphite fibers and uh, steel fibers kind of woven in there together uh, to keep it just a touch softer. Uh, but this club is not designed to go left, and it's not designed to go up. So this is a right-miss-only club, and if it does go left, that's fine. It's also not a far club as far as you would think hitting a two-iron would go. So this is like a uh, like a whistling straights, old course kind of club. That's right. Yeah. So um, if I need to punch out from underneath something, I can. So mm -hmm. it's an X-Flex. We did a couple things. One is we hard-stepped it, which... I'm gonna. Sometimes I get this backwards. It's a three iron shaft in a two iron, mm -hmm. which makes it play stiffer. Mm -hmm. So that's the two X. Then we cut it a half an inch <laughs> to make it play even stiffer. So it's stiff. It's extra, extra, extra stiff, and I don't hit it very high. And for those of you out there who think that maybe this could be a, um, a, club, a club that could you. suit your game, no. it's it's a really tough one. But one thing that I think as far as like for the like – if, if somebody wanted to go out there and get this, one thing I think that Strixon did well in this ZX utility iron is uh, this is a two iron, 18 degrees – uh, of loft, but they, they put a sole on the club that looks super forgiving. Yeah. If you were to if you were to go and hit it, yeah, and so it gives you a irons. little bit more confidence when yep. you are when you're laying it down, feeling like it's gonna come through the turf. Maxed out for me, that thing is. Whoops, drop my phone. Uh, maxed out for <laughs> me. That's good bloopers, right? Right. Uh, maxed out for me. That's probably gonna be 260 total all the way out. Um, Again, the theme through these clubs, with the exception of wedges, putter, and driver. So wedges, putter, and driver, those are really set up for me to – I've got the forgiveness in the driver. It's X-Flex. I'm 120 to 122 mile an hour driver club head speed, so that fits. It's straight, which I like. Um, and then with my wedges and my putter, we're in good shape there with uh, – just clubs I love to perform with, so they're they're fantastic. But the rest of the set is you have to make the swing you want to make in order to hit it well. Mm. So it's a real challenge for me. So when I do hit them, when I do hit golf balls, like if I make as good of a golf swing as I can possibly make, I'll hit this two iron, beautiful, 260, very straight, very low. Got a little bit of height to it, but wonderful setup for me uh, for a different reason. You know, I don't play as much, so. I get to play around with my sets and have some fun with it. If you were to, uh, before we move on to what we're going to talk about here at the USGA, if you had to pull that two iron out on any hole here at Franklin Bridge, what would you, or where would you pull it out at? i pull it out on uh, on four. Mm, okay. Aim it down the left side, like yep. the left edge of the fairway, and just smash it. Because mm. it's either going to go straight on that line, Again, at best, it's going to go 260. So it'll get me past the 150 marker, but it won't get me through the fairway. If I, It's not going to go left in the river. So I can just smash it. Now, if I had a fairway wood there, a hybrid, it can go over there. So that's yeah. a, it's going to be a slide right. And on that hole, you probably don't want it, like, you to hit your hybrid to get something go up in the air, have it spin a whole bunch, and then you're at the mercy of whatever's happening up right. there. Right. So 
Um, I love long irons and hybrids. Sorry, I love hybrids and fairy woods that land really soft, fly high, and land soft. I just love that. I feel comfortable with that. Even in the wind, I don't mind it flying up high in the air. Yeah. Um, I can fly it if I need to. Uh, but the two iron to me is a is a very specific club. It's not meant to go far. It's not meant to go up in the air. It's meant to go low, stay in front of me, stay in control, and I can hit it hard. Like under pressure, a lot of times people will they'll either go way too fast or they'll gear way down and swing too soft. I'm in the too soft category. And so that gives me permission to just giddy up and I'm not going to hit it too far. Sure. Love that. If I hit it dead on my money, I'm in that 120 to that 115 to 125 range, as you know, is my favorite yardage. Yeah. So, and if not, it's going to peel off to the right and avoid the tree, avoid, I mean, it's just a perfect club for me in a couple spots. Worst case scenario, it seems like it lands on the right side of the fairway. Yeah. On four. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah That's yeah, yeah. worst case. Love it. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, stay tuned for a super in-depth club video, which I think we really should do. We should go through my set yeah. and go through your set and really yeah. talk about Maybe we'll even hit some shots on. for people, too. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we can even do it on uh, yeah out of the out of the studio here at Franklin Bridge. We can overlay some of the shots. We can take the video ahead of time, see the shots, yeah. and overlay them on top of the video. I like that. That'd yeah, I like cool. that a lot. So stay tuned for that episode. Tate's got some work to do. Tate's got some work one. to do, yeah. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about this USGA. Uh, get this USGA uh, debacle. So give us a little bit of a summary on, on what's happened, what came out, and then we'll kind of give our takes. We were texting about this earlier. All right. So um, many of you have known uh, the USGA is talking about rolling back that's the big thing that came out. Justin Thomas is like adamantly opposed to it. Um, is this rolling back of the golf ball by 15 to 20 yards or meaning, 14 to 15 yards? So, meaning that the balls of the tour players play will not well, fly as far. That's correct. Um, so, <clears throat> uh, my initial gut reaction to that, as is the, I think the majority of the golf world, not all, is this is the dumbest thing ever. If the game is healthy, then why are we doing this? Right. You know, um, and so that was my gut reaction. I was like, this is stupid. This is straight up stupid. We shouldn't do this. However, um, per the words of Mike Keith, voice of the Titans, when we got to hear him speak and talk about public speaking is, let's talk about the facts. Okay. So I think we got to take a couple of different angles. One is... What is the role and responsibility of the USGA and RNA, the PGA Tour, and the players and their team, right? Their coaches, their trainers, their whatever. Um, So the job of the USGA is to rules and equipment, which is a rules thing, right? What are the rules of the game in keeping with the integrity of the game? uh, They view themselves a lot of times as the gatekeepers, of like keeping the integrity of the game intact, the history of the game, the legacy of the game. Golf is a game both of power and of precision, both of might and um, uh, finesse. Finesse, that was the word. Thank you. Um, and so, you know, some of the comments I saw, and this, these used to be my comments. So this is good for me to go back and study a little bit, right? Because I just get caught in the same threads, right? We just say things and repeat them without actually understanding them. And the first one is, the USGA has no bearing on the course setup, right? That is the job of the PGA Tour and the tournament directors, right? So I used to take the angle of like, well, let's just change the design of golf courses. That's an architect thing, and the and the PGA Tour works with the architects and things like that. So um, a lot of times, courses don't want to change their golf course, 
right? So there's a whole there's a whole thing there. I used to take the like, well, there's a lot of different ways we can do it. Get it, got it, that's good. But that is not the responsibility of the USGA, and you cannot put that on the USGA. It's not their role, right? Stay in your lane, right? Uh, so, and then you have the players. What is the job of the players and their team? Figure out how to navigate that golf course and their body to the best of their ability. So what happened? Guys got stronger. They got bigger. The average height of the PGA Tour has grown substantially. The amount of training. If you take guys from the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, uh, and you take all of them together, average them out against even the bottom 50 guys on the PGA Tour now in a fitness test, there's no contest. It's not even close. And the average height, right? They're just bigger and they're faster. That's just that's the nature of every sport, right? Has equipment changed? Has technology improved? Yes. Are fairways mown tighter? Yes. Is the ball running faster? Yes. But that's not the job of the USGA is to govern fairway speeds, right? That's not that's not their job. Um, so I think that's an important distinction we have to make. Um, and then the other take is the PGA Tour. Their job is to make, I mean, to produce the professional golf product, right? Let's be honest. It's entertainment. That's what it is. It's fun. And it's a fun game that we get all get to play. Um, but their job, and they have a mission to grow the game, and uh, they have philanthropic objectives and things like that. Not to say that the USGA doesn't, uh, but the USGA and RNA have a role and responsibility as they look at the game. What is our job? We're looking, and the thing that I also looked into this, everybody's like freaking out. I'm like, when is this going to go into effect? It's January of 2026, right? Like, we're, it's not happening tomorrow or even next year or even the next year. They put this out there, and if you read through some of the articles they put out there, they're partly putting this out so that they can get feedback, and they knew what the feedback was. They're also not doing this flippantly. They've been spending three years of in-depth research. They know way more than all of us because that's their space. Their space is like the game's getting longer and longer. Do we make golf courses obsolete? And that was the job of the players, right? Like, let's make it, let's learn how to hit it farther. Let's train harder. And the USJ isn't saying to stop doing that. They're, they're not telling players what they can and can't do. They're looking from a, what's the game look like 10, 20, 30, 40 years from now. That's one of their quotes is 20, 40, 60 years from now. Our job is to be forward thinkers. Their job is basically to be the parent of a kid who's like, I get to do whatever I want. It's like, well, hang on a second. Like that may be true, but you can't just let a kid run rampant. That also doesn't mean that they get to tear down the game that's been built by these guys as well. So it's like, if we're going to take the other side of the coin with Justin Thomas being like, listen, like I've trained so hard to be able to hit this ball in the center of the club and make it go as far as it can. And now you're telling me that you're about to take 10 to 15 yards off of all that work that I just did. Yeah. What gives? What would you say to that if you're a representative well, of the USGA? I, I think I – think, um, if I was representing the USGA, I'd have a lot more knowledge, I can tell you that. Um, That's true. Uh, but I would say I'm not stopping you from working hard. I'm just putting a parameters on this thing and say, hey – to the degree that I have control over some things to make those bunkers and those things stay in place to help golf courses not get so long and so out of control where maintenance costs go through the roof. Um, 
you know, obviously it's for tour events, but like that starts to affect all the golf courses. They understand that that begins to affect and spill over everywhere. As those golf courses have to get longer, guess what's going to happen? Other ones are going to get longer. And is that sustainable for the game of golf? Do you think that's the main reason why they've done it at this point? No, I think they're looking at the game as a whole. Can we still keep it a game of precision? I don't think they're just trying to keep it, hey, we want guys to shoot even par only. You don't hear that in the thread they're talking about. And the measurement that they use is 127 miles an hour. And, like, the number of guys on the tour that are 127 miles an hour are zero other than Bryson, right? There's only one guy that's at 126. There's another guy at 125. The average on the PJ Tour is 115. But they're, what they're looking at, the reason why they're using 127 is they're following clubhead speeds over time. Now, I don't think it's exponential, and I think we're going to start to see a, a leveling out. I don't even think it's linear. No. But what they're, what they're pointing out is, look, we're also looking at world-long drive. These guys are pulling 145-mile-an-hour driver clubhead speeds. It's just like the four-minute mile. Oh, that's impossible. Guys will never do that on the PGA Tour. Guys will never hit it 130 miles an hour, swing at 130 miles an hour on the PGA Tour. And I think there's a certain amount of that that's true. Uh, if you look at the length of the clubs, the guys, you know, USGA is like 46 inches is the max. It's like, well, our average on the PGA Tour anyway is 44 and a half. So, like, that didn't really do anything. But they're, they're, what they're doing there is to say, if it were to go in that direction, we're going to help put parameters on that thing to keep it shortened up. And we want to keep those, I mean, especially if you think of some of the iconic golf courses, Marion, some of the courses, St. Andrews, Augusta, like Augusta's had to lengthen their golf course at times. Which even, change it. even Bay Hill after Bryson right. drove the lake. Right. It's like, that's another thing that we're, they're probably looking at. It's like, the, they're, they're bigger, even, dude. Yeah. They are way bigger. The amount of stuff they can deadlift. Look at the size and thickness of Rom, Tony Finau, Scotty Scheffler. I mean, the average height is pushing over six feet now uh it was 511 it's like well if you look at 1967 i was like yeah 1967 the technology wasn't as good which again is back to their lane right what are they putting parameters on the other thing they mentioned is they haven't done anything to uh the ball parameters in over 20 years yeah so they haven't brought the rules up to up to code to today's standards right it's like bringing i mean if we use your real estate right like Homes get brought up to code as more knowledge and more information comes out to keep homes safe, right? And to keep yeah. families safe. So, I, With that being said, though, asking, yeah. asking Scott Hasse here, the individual, do you think that this will be for the betterment of the game? Um, I if, don't think... If it sticks, too. I don't think they should roll it back. I think they should cap it. I think, I think working backwards is a mistake. Um, a Kushnet, which is uh, the holding company for Titleist, is like, it'll essentially roll the golf ball back to the 1990s. Which, and they have some takes on why they don't do drivers, which you can read up on that. I encourage people to do that. Go and read up on like what the USGA actually says. They're not trying to take away things. They're actually trying to keep the integrity of the game intact. It's like, it's just going to benefit the longer hitter. Well, any sort of technolo- technological improvements is always going to benefit the guy that's bigger, faster, stronger in every sport ever. Like here's, here's where I have a, a problem with it is um, Justin Thomas brought up this in his interview where he was speaking out about it. He said, you know, I think one of the cool parts about the game is that, you know, you can go to a, a, a sporting goods store and buy the exact same ball that I'm going to play this weekend. And like, I see, I see what he's saying and I don't, but 
my question to you would be: They've said that this is only going to impact the professional game, and they're going to use—they're yeah. still going to use these hot balls. Not even saying that they're hot; they're just unregulated um, with the, the with the consumer as well. So, just curious, your thoughts on on that, and especially how that affects uh, not only the pro game but also the the um, you know the Corn Ferry Tour, the collegiate game, prof- professional or yeah. competitive golf, all the way up until the professional level. You have a lot of things that they're going to have to decide, regardless. Um, but I think one of the main issues is where you have some events that, because it's it will be instituted as a local rule, I think it's called an MLR, Model Local Rule, um, where a tournament may decide, for instance, the U.S. Open, they may decide, hey, you're only allowed to use this golf ball. Well, now that changes that changes feel, spin rates, how the ball flies. Exactly. It, it completely changes how these guys are going to play the golf, the game, which is fine if it's that way the entire year, all the time. They'll all adjust. It'll be fine. Uh, now, who will it negatively impact? Will it help some of the shorter hitters? Maybe. Will it hurt some of the longer hitters? Maybe. The only way for us to know that truly is for it to happen. But I, I think the strongest point is, hey, if you're going to do it, do it all the way. Right. And then you have to define – at what level does that change? Like, okay, I don't think it makes sense if you only put it in the U.S. Amateur Championship. Okay, well, those guys are playing in college tournaments, local events at their club. Which ball do they use? Are they at a disadvantage by using, hey, I'm going to get ready for that tournament. I'm going to play in this other amateur event in the state or regionally, and I'm going to use a the ball that's going to prep me for that, but I'm going to lose this tournament because I don't have the right ball. But we can't know that until we have all that information. I'd be curious to see if um, I'd be curious to see what level they start implementing that ball change at, because let's just say they decide yeah. to implement it at the PGA Tour level. Then it's like, okay, I'm curious if guys get their card, if they make it easier to keep a card for a certain amount of time in order for these people to get adjusted and acclimated to the new ball, or yeah, if they start at the corn fairy level. You know, it's a where they you come in and you start acclimating to those rules before you hit the big stage, which yeah. I could see happening too. Well, and I, I think you know one of the things that people get all upset about is you think these guys haven't thought of this. Yeah, like they're not they stupid. Have. They've yeah. thought of this. Yeah, they're just trying to see where all the pushback is going to be. Um, which I, it's crazy that the rule is going to be implemented in twenty six. Right, we have three years to figure this thing out. Four years. Do you think like, there's a world in which they don't even follow through with it? Yeah, of course. I mean. You watch companies do things like that all the time. Yeah. Like, hey, we're going to roll this out, and then like the feedback's terrible, and then it just kind of falls away yeah. and disappears. It's like the Apple car is going to get released in right. 2025. Um, you like, know, what they like... might see in the next year and a half is that like distances start to level out, and then that mm-hmm. rule doesn't apply. Uh, they test Iron Byron at a certain speed at 120-mile-an-hour clubhead speed based on these parameters, which is Iron Byron is a machine that produces basically the exact same thing, and the ball cannot exceed 317 yards. That's how they measure it, at 120 miles an hour. Yeah. Well, they move the testing up to 127 miles an hour, mm. and it will not exceed 317 yards. Now, mm. that number is very specific based on the design of golf courses, right? Like, it's it's built into, like, how can we maintain and still have these golf courses not be obsolete not only that, but you're also thinking about uh, geographically where is this tournament getting played, the conditions, the altitude, like everything right. that ha- goes into it as there's, well. There's so much they're looking at, I'm sure, and the data sheets that they have are probably very extensive. Yeah, uh, They're probably miles long if you lined them up. And 
I came in just saying, USJ, you're an idiot. I'm like, well, that's that's like somebody looking at, you know, me giving a golf lesson, hearing about Scott gave a golf lesson with his eyes closed. You're an idiot. It's like, well, if you listen to the episode with Jamie George, it's actually an exercise in me learning to improve myself, right? Right. Regardless of the outcome. So it's not – context is everything. So uh, I'm I'm at this juncture – with the knowledge that I have and with the, what, day and a half I've had to think about it, um, if that, half a day, I'm at the juncture, don't roll the ball back, cap it at where it's at, whatever that means. Cap it at, at 127 mile an hour, maybe move to 127 and you make it to 327, whatever. Maybe you have to roll it back, but right now it's cap them, don't let them get any longer than they currently are at x speed and if a guy's able to exceed that speed props to him Uh-oh. that also gives uh people like jt the ability to say like all right you're not going to change the game you're just telling me from now on it's kind of like a parent this telling you like cap. from now on you can't do it's like okay fine like i've gotten away with what i can get away with but yeah. now there's a standard getting set and so and so the bifurcation would be more natural in the sense of it starts now for anything, any advancements now just go to the public. Yeah. And I think you make it only for professional events, right? Like baseball has bifurcation. They're not hitting aluminum bats and they you can't cork bats and you can't do like we can talk all day about the scandal with uh with the corked balls and everything that's going right, through right now too. Right. So it's it is happening at, in different leagues as right. well. So, you know, um Yeah, you're right. I, was, I went from like being adamantly opposed to having an understanding of what each entity, what they're responsible for. And if you want to be upset about course setups, be upset at the PGA Tour and the tournament directors. That's not a USGA thing. The USGA is responsible for the rules and the integrity of the game. Uh, they've tried to simple, you know, simplify pace of play by going from five minutes to three minutes. Uh, different rules with how the ball moves on the green. They've taken drops from being shoulder high where the bounce can be totally unlucky to being a more fair bounce by dropping at knee height so like you can take whatever angles you want on any of those things they're doing their job within the context of what it is that they're trying to do i think one thing we have to come at it with is not assume they're the devil right like don't just trash them i see where thomas is though right of like if it's so good it's like yeah but they're more forward thinking than we are as players right and they're not saying you haven't made those gains and congrats to you but what does the game become and we also have to look at they're probably also looking at a safety standpoint what if they don't put these things into place and in 20 2026 2027 or 2030 then they decide to try and roll a ball back because guys are hitting it with so much speed that when they hit it out of play it becomes more dangerous for players i mean it's already dangerous right for spectators but like at what point there's a lot of things they have to answer and I think coming at it with a very short answer is, is, uh, and I was foolish to come at it with a, this is just dumb. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. That was my initial gut reaction. You, you've honestly changed my mind, uh, about it as well. I'm opposed to rolling back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just let's, let's go at it with a clear head. And the, the question that I posed, and we'll end with this, 
uh, is that the USGA, instead of making changes to the golf courses themselves or the regulations with the golf courses, they're pawning this. They're pawning this off onto the manufacturer to fix the game, if you say like the club, the equipment manufacturers. But you you made it very clear that that's not their job in the first that's place. That's not right. The other thing too is that those that on them. those courses, like listen, we all we're all for the the best game that can be played on the brightest stage. But at the same time, those golf courses have to get used by, you know, the members or the public or whoever plays yeah, on them player. anyway. So there's like, yeah. there's a lot that it's not like we can just do a, uh, you remember that, um, that U S open at pebble where they took out like the, almost the entire, they took out an entire course apart three or four holes to make the driving range that year. Do you remember yeah, that? Yeah. And so it's like you can't just go into every single time the tour goes and stops on your track to change up the whole thing and then yeah. put it back together again. We we say that nobody will hit it 130 yards. You know, even Justin Thomas like if you can hit it 127, props to you. It's like JT in 10 years from now, that may very well be the new norm. We say it yeah. won't. It's just like the four-minute mile. Nobody will ever break the four-minute mile. Nobody will ever be swinging on the PGA Tour 130 miles an hour. If they can control that puppy and hit it straight at 130 miles an hour, look out. Well, and with the new carbon wood era that's coming out, you know, that TaylorMade and, and, and Callaway have yep. really, you know, forefronted. You know, there's just no no telling where they're going to be able to put right. weight and CG to be able to blow it up. Uh, I'm not going to be able to give the good argument that you have to read through it. I can go back and try and find it, uh, but – the argument that they made of not doing putting more restrictions on the club mm. there there was a specific reason why they're going for the ball and not for the club yeah yeah and i believe it has something to do with the percentage change like the longer hitter could lose 20 to 25 i believe mm. whereas your average hitter may only lose 14 or 15 which actually closes the gap yeah between the longest and oh, the average i never thought about that too yeah so that was one of my takes it's like well if you do that it's just going to be longer it's just going to be the one that benefits the most but there may be a restriction that happens with the slower player is actually able to be a slightly closer and that 10 yards can make all the difference. Yeah. Right. So 100%. if I can close that gap by 10 yards, even though I'm back further, so are they and they're back more Yeah. like that could be a benefit to the player. But I think if you do it to the golf club, that percentage is a more precipitous drop mm. across the board. But if you do it with just the ball, um, there's a better description out there than that, so don't quote me for fact there. Um, but to I'll end mine with this. Um, in, in the discussion just now, I'm kind of reminded of uh, one of my favorite professors in college, um, uh, public finance and public policy. Start every class with she could ask any question you want. And she ended the semester, she handed us our final, and she said, what I hope you all got out of this class this semester was that there are no easy answers and there are consequences to every single one. You just got to choose which ones you're willing to live with. That's great. And Love so that. I, my current take, don't roll it back. Keep it as it is. Find find a way to make draw that line. Uh, I don't know how to do that. Um, but I'm still open to changing as I study more and learn more. And honestly, until I see it actually tested, like, hey, can you give me one of those golf balls that rolls back? Let me see how how I play different. I don't know. I'm as clueless as the next guy. Fair enough. Well, we'll end it there. Uh, appreciate you guys listening. As always, make sure to either rate the podcast if you're on Apple. Give it five stars and leave a review. If you're on Spotify, just click follow. Uh, and if you're on YouTube, 
thanks for watching. You got to see Scott's new set. So hmm. if you guys want to go and check that out, go over to YouTube, search No Mulligans, and click on this episode. You'll see Scott's bag with the new uh, ZX5 Mark II driver in there. So If you want to try to hit the two iron. Yeah, come on by. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> from, uh, from Jack, Scott, and Tate here in the studio at Franklin Bridge. We'll see you on the next one. It's been the No Mulligans podcast. Peace. There's no room.